The views expressed on the following broadcasts do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT, Take 12 Radio, or our affiliates. The opinions on this show should not be considered as medical, psychological, or professional advice and are those of the host, co-host, and guest. Take 12 Radio and KHLT Recovery Broadcasting are not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. All right, Tony, you ready to sing? You're ready to raise your... Oh, you're not going to sing? Here we go. Gotta get cute this morning. Sweeter than a morning snack. Guess who would like some brew? Oh, and make that coffee black. 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 Welcome to the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show, The Great Reality. And Tony J is here. Good morning. Denver W is here. Good morning. Marvar is here. Howdy, howdy. And Bruce H. Hey. That's right. This morning, I'm snazzy as a Cadillac. Snazzy. I'm up. Snazzy. Let's have coffee. Lots of coffee. Shots of coffee. Pots of coffee. Oh, yeah. Make that coffee black. And a little uh, carnation uh, sugar-free uh, French vanilla. And we're drinking today, we're drinking Wawa. 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 Wawa coffee. Wham, it's a wham. duck. Wawa. Wawa. Wawa's a duck? From what they tell me. Oh. It's from the East Coast and like only like, it looks like a finger size of the USA has Wawa's. Wawa. What? <laughs> like, only that much if you look on a map, like your finger. Right. Like on the edge where like Delaware. Oh, Delaware. Like. Okay. So the yeah. coffee's from Delaware. Yeah. Right. And it's called Wawa. Yeah. And you, you got it as a Christmas present for us, uh, and it came from your, your sister sent it? or what? Yeah, my my sister and my mom and dad got it. For, yeah. For yeah. It, it does definitely have a distinct flavor to it. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I like it. I like it. So it's Wawa. You. It's Wawa. <laughs> Wawa, okay, so I Okay, so I swore, you guys, that I oh. would not watch the Academy Awards I was wondering uh, if last night because... I am so sick and tired of president bashing in all these award shows. I don't care who the president is. I don't care if they're liberal, conservative, or whatever. Once it's done, it's done. I just I get so sick of it. I knew it was going to happen, and it did. I I heard the, read some of the reports. Jimmy Kimmel just you know blasting, and it, but the pe- same people that are doing all this blasting are the same people that when the former president was in and the conservatives were blasting mm-hmm. him, were telling conservatives, "Hey, just get over it. He's our president. Respect the office." Well, now they're not doing that. They're they're doing just the opposite. And so I just get so tired of it that I said, "I'm not going to watch the Academy Awards. I'm just not going." No. But I will tell you. So I'm channel surfing, right? Mm-hmm. And. I hit right before they announce the Academy Award for Best Picture. And of course it's all the buzz right now what happened. So I've gotta I've gotta mention it here too. So um Faye Dunaway and Warren Beatty, who were the original Bonnie and Clyde oh. uh from the movie, are up there and they're getting ready to read the winner. Right for this year's best movie, uh-huh. and Warren Beatty opens up the envelope, and he has this weird look on his face. So I'm thinking, okay, I'll watch this. I'll see what's best movie, right? So, and he's looking at it, and he looks at Faye Dunaway. He looks back at the envelope. He looks at the audience. He looks back at the envelope, and he's obviously confused. <gasps> now these guys, they 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 rehearse, so he already knows who best picture is. 
Oh, they already know before they oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, they know. They know. And the reason he had such a weird look on his face, and we didn't find out till later, was because the envelope he received had somebody else's movie on there that was not the winner. <gasps> so he has this weird look on his face, but he's going with it, and he says, best movie, he hands it to Faye Dunaway, and she says, best movie goes to La La Land. Well, then... The entire cast from La La Land come up, and they're into three thank you speeches when a uh, a stage tech interrupts the whole thing, and the guy that's giving the last speech on La La Land thanking him says, wait a minute, wait a minute, it was um, uh, Moonlight is the winner. <gasps> La La Land is not the winner. Moonlight is the winner. So it's like Steve Harvey all over again. Yes. Oh, 86 nice. years. 86 <laughs> years. Nice. Of the, you can say that too, huh? 86 years of the Academy Awards. <laughs> this has never happened. Beautiful. So I'm thinking, no wonder he was looking so weird because he already knew who it was and this is not the winner. And they're still investigating what in the heck happened. Right, so now all these guys, all Lala lands up there, and so the moonlight comes up, and then they receive the Academy Award for Best Picture. Talk about a that's humiliating. Oh my word! So it was all the buzz, but it made for great copy. It made for great entertainment, (laughs) you know. And so then Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway, they're just as embarrassed as can be. And so Warren Beatty comes up because I have to tell you this: I opened the envelope, and I just, you know, we just read what it said. Zippity doodah day. So that that's all buzz today on the news. Um, so anyway, there you go. So I guess it's worth risking all this stupid stuff that goes on just to get entertained like that. Um, so I got an email. I got an email from Raymond R. And uh, this is a really good question. And this has nothing to do with the topic. Um, the topic, by the way, listeners, uh, this week is failure a sign of missing the mark. Is it a sign of missing the mark? And so we're going to talk about that. But I got an email from from Raymond R. It said, I am curious. I'm a big fan of your YouTube station. That's our YouTube version of the show. Uh, I'm a recovered addict. And could you do a segment on the NA text? More specifically, uh, there's a chapter that says, We do recover. And in the italic, it states, an addict can find as much identification as needed by others who have recovered for many years. Uh, In the chapter just for today, it says we will always be recovering. Can you find out why they put such a big contradiction in their text? The co-founder of NA, Jimmy K., identifies himself as a recovered addict. When I say I'm a recovered addict, I swear everyone in my meeting Here's, I'm a cured addict. That is not what I'm saying. If you find out, please let me know. So I did some investigation. Uh, and that's a, good, that's a good question, yeah. though. And as many of you know, I was born in um, a particular 12-step fellowship. I won't claim membership on the air. Um, but I was raised in another. I was born in one, and my sponsor happened to be in both, and he took me through what I consider the gold standard of 12-step literature. And uh, so I'm very familiar with both texts. So just to make sure that, I, that I'm that not talking out the side of my neck here, um, I went to the NA basic text, 
And specifically, uh, this piece of literature that comes out of the basic text called uh, Recovery and Relapse, reprinted from the white booklet Narcotics Anonymous. This is NA uh, Fellowship approved literature, copyright 1976 to 1986 by NA World Service Office. And this is what it says. Um, It says, when my addiction brought me to the point of complete powerlessness, uselessness, and surrender some 15 years ago, I, um, there was no N.A., I found AA, and in that fellowship met addicts who had also found that program to be the answer to their problem. However, we knew that many were still going down the road of delusion, degradation, and death because they were unable to identify with the alcoholic in AA. Their identification was at the level of apparent symptoms and not at the deeper level of emotions or feelings where empathy becomes a healing therapy for all addicted people. With several other addicts and some members of AA who had great faith in us and the program, we formed in July 1953 what we now know as Narcotics Anonymous. Now, the reason I read that part is because things are taken out of context all the time. So so, um, the part that that he quotes, that Raymond quotes, uh, needs to be brought into context. So the author says, there was no N.A., so I found A.A., mm-hmm. okay? And then he says, uh, the, the, the author says, we felt that now the addict would find from the start as much identification as each needed to convince himself that he could stay clean by the example of others who had recovered for many years. Mm-hmm. Who are the others he's talking about? The members of AA. Uh, he's not talking about members of NA. There was no NA. Mm-mm. So NA isn't, isn't claiming recovered. He's referring to people in AA who have recovered. He says, so we, we find as much identification as each needed to convince himself that he could stay clean by the example of others, by the example of others who had recovered for many years. Mm-hmm. So that's the comment on recovered. Now, if you go down the page, and this is on, also on page 86 of, of the NA Basic Text, it says, now we know that the time has come when that tired old lie Once an addict, always an addict, will no longer be tolerated by either society or the addict himself. We do recover. So it is very clear in the NA Basic text that the philosophy is we do recover. However, and this is a problem I have with the NA Basic text. Sorry, NA brothers and sisters. It's my problem, not yours. There's a lot of contradictions. On page 88 of We Do Recover, in Just for Today Meditations, it says, As we recover, okay, so there it is again, we gain a new outlook on being clean. Then you go down the paragraph, it says, There is no model of the recovered addict. Ah. Wait a minute. We either recover or we don't. But then they turn around, they say we do recover, and then they say there's no model of, of the recovered addict. So here's the contradiction. But do you think that's the gap between the two? Like, people thought differently in the 30s, think differently in the 50s. Do you think that's the generation gap there? No, because this is all in the same literature. It's just contradicting itself. 
Because later on it says once an addict, always an addict. But late, but but on eighty six it says that tired old lie, once an addict, always an addict, will no longer be tolerated. So which is it? And this is the problem I have with NA literature: is there tends to be a lot of contradictions in there. And so I don't have Raymond. I don't have an answer for you why there are those contradictions. I'm just telling you there are. Well, so if they keep going back to the ones before where you said they're speaking about the AA stuff. It, right. I don't well, remember it, seeing in there where it says we recovered. Well, yeah, it does. Oh, it does? Yeah. It's, it says, now we know that the, the, the time <coughs> has come. This is, this is NA now. Yeah. The time has come when that tired old lie, once an addict, always an addict, will no longer be tolerated by either society or the addict himself. We do recover. No, I meant in the AA literature, but they always, because you said the NA always focuses back to the others, meaning. Right, but here it's not talking about yeah. the others, it's talking yeah. about NA members. Yeah. So okay. NA says we do recover in some parts of the literature, in other parts of the literature it says we don't. Mm -hmm. It says there's no model for the recovered addict. And, and, you know, what are they doing, uh, relying upon the model? Yeah, well, no, See, I, think, I, I, I don't know if they're relying on it. I'm I, just saying that there's a contradiction well, here. It I says that, they, that we do recover and we don't recover. That's my point. I think they're relying upon the identification. Well, here's the problem. And this is my problem with my personal bugaboo about the NA basic text versus the AA basic text. Is the NA philosophy... Um, is much more geared towards remove the narcotic and all will be well. Mm -hmm. Abstinence and all will be well. The AA basic text, the big book, is more geared towards no, that's okay to make a beginning, but you must rely on a power greater than yourself mm -hmm. for all to be well. It's much more than just removing the substance. Mm -hmm. The NA basic text is more about the fellowship and service and removing the substance. The AA basic text is more about a relation, developing a relationship with God. That is what we need to do. And, and so, um, you know, it just is what it is. I mean, if you read just for today, just for today, I, just for today, I, just for today, I, there's no mention of God or the creator or higher power at all. Just for today, I, it's I, 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 in, in the majority of Alcoholics Anonymous big book, it's God does this. God does that. There, there, there is almost no ability to fix this or that without his aid. I mean, it's very much more focused on the creator of the universe than the NA basic Texas. But that wasn't my point. My point is there seems to be many contradictions in the NA basic text. Some, some of it says we don't recover. Some of it says we do recover. You know, um, so Raymond, I'm sorry. I don't, have, I don't have an answer for you why that is. It just is. That could almost be one show. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> but I promised Raymond I would look into it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, is it a matter of semantics? Maybe. I think the thing about on 86 where it says that tired old lie no longer be tolerated beside, uh, by either society or the addict himself, we do recover, is more in reference to they're fed up with people using that excuse. Well, I'm an addict. I'm just an addict. Well, no, we're not going to put up with that anymore. We're not, we're not going to tolerate that anymore. 
you know, and I think that's what they're they're referring to that more than they are actually of recovering. But it does say we do recover. In fact, it says the lie is dead. What lie? Once an addict, always an addict. So you're getting heated over there. I this. know. Well, it's just very weird. It, it's no. It's just interesting to see your frustration. I'm not frustrated. I just oh, okay. am passionate. Oh, okay. I'm passionate. I'm not frustrated. Oh, okay. It doesn't bother me. It's just, it's, it's just. No, I mean, it is contradicting, though. Because... It is contradicting. Yeah. It's um, weird. That's weird. But I have to tell you, at the same time, uh, and I won't go into why, but I owe a lot of gratitude to the program of Narcotics Anonymous. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to go into why that is, but <laughs> there was a time in my life. When God used Narcotics Anonymous in a very mighty way with me. And, uh, and that's how my sponsor is, too. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, interesting stuff. There we go. All right. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Um, yeah, and, and so if the reliance is on the terminology, then we're, then again, we're, we're relying on the method again and man's literature and not God's and all that stuff. That is so true. That was a good email, though. That was a really good <clears throat> Yeah, email. well, because he's confused. He's going, I don't, I don't get it. Him. I don't get it. I mean, what is it? You know, the poor guy's going around doing what the <laughs> founder of Narcotics Anonymous practiced, <laughs> and that was that he recovered. And uh, sorry for all the coughing, everybody. Uh, we're all sick. <laughs> when some are sicker than others, we are being very literal about that. All right. So but we're uh, recovering. Yeah, we're, we're, we're recovering. So let me just say this, and I'll say it again. I've said it before. So if you have an allergy to peanuts, right? Uh-huh. And you eat the peanuts and you swell up like a balloon and you go into the hospital and they give you a shot. Until your swelling goes down, until the symptoms are gone, you are in recovery. You're still sick. Once the swelling is gone and they release you from the hospital, you have recovered. You're no longer sick. Are you still allergic to peanuts? Yes. But you have recovered. There you go. I'm using that when I work with others. Yeah. Good analogy. zippity doo day We'll be right back right after this. <laughs> Running around in the meetings, gobbling up gallons of bad coffee, flapping his gums wherever he can bring a smile to a hurting face. It's Slogan Man! We know cute little platitudes and sayings on the wall in 12-step meeting won't keep you sober, but they sure will make you think, consider, and even laugh your way through an otherwise crappy day. Can't wait to get to your home group to hear those slogans over and over and over and over again? No need to. Pick up a copy of the 12-step Gazette and join the adventures of Slogan Man. Visit www.12stepgazette.com and subscribe today. Slogans and platitudes are no substitute for working the steps, but Slogan Man is very cool. Hello, this is Dr. Alan Berger, author of 12 Stupid Things That Mess Up Recovery. You're listening to Take12Radio.com, featuring recovery talk and positive music. And now, it's the Quiz of the Week. That's right, everybody. It's time for Take 12 Radio's Quiz of the Week. Sponsored by that recovery magazine, the 12-Step Gazette. Visit their website, 
at 12stepgazette.com. Now, here's the Monty Band. Thank you, Cecil. <laughs> All right, so um, we are going to do denture trivia. Oh! <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Is this your pick? <laughs> she said, oh, no. I forgot next, how it came up. <laughs> she goes, next week I'll probably do denture trivia. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to do denture trivia. <laughs> I won't ask how many people in the room wear dentures. Um, all right. Uh, this comes from Almaden Dental Association. Uh, all right. Here's, uh, we got three and a bonus. All right. <laughs> Bruce is going, why me? If you get it wrong, you hear the fluff machine. If you get it right, we'll give you a toot. All right, here we go. <laughs> the father of our country, George Washington, had several dentures. They were made of what? Are you ready? Wood. <laughs> Are they really? Here's, here's your choices. Oh, here's, here, here's, we go. here we go. Here's your choices. And by the way, wood was not actually accurate. They were never, they were actually never made of wood. Here's your choices hippopotamus teeth, cow teeth, walrus teeth, or elephants' tusks, or all of the above. Bovine. What? So you say cow teeth. Cow teeth, bovine. Hippopotamus, cow, walrus, or elephant tusk, or all of the above? I say all the above. What do you say, Bruce? Not wood, huh? Nope, no wood. That's an old wives' tale. <laughs> okay. I don't have a clue. You okay. dumped me there. Okay, Marv, <laughs> you having any idea? Bovine. Bovine? Well, actually, it was all of the above. Oh. He had a set from all of the above. Yes. So, never got it right. Yeah, I know. That's why I was going to say maybe that's why cows don't have top teeth. Because George Washington. <laughs> 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 I just learned out of it afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it's a it was just a rumor, and I read later on there was it was a rumor that they were made out of wood, and they actually weren't. That was um, weird. Yeah, it was an old wives' tale. All right, here's number two. Approximately around 700 BC, the first standard for denture design was established by ancient ancestors of modern Italians. And called for dentures to be made out of what? The first dentures. Human teeth, ivory, or wood? The first dentures. Ivory. Ivory? Denver? Human teeth. Bruce? Wood. (laughs) (laughs) Hard? Human teeth. Human teeth is correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I suck at Italian trivia. No wood, no wood. It was your talk. It was your talk. I know. All right, number three. Uh, what food has been credited to to save not only dentures from decay when sitting and soaking in it, but human teeth as well? Beef broth, salt, or cheese? I don't know. Go ahead. As much as I'd love to say salt, I'm going to have to go with cheese. I was going to go with okay. cheese, too. What do you think there, Tony? I think cheese, because I like expensive cheese. Yeah, do you? And my mouth likes expensive cheese. All, right. <laughs> All right. Logic. Bruce, Bruce, Marv. 
Jeez. I'm <laughs> I'm like, why? Why? Yeah, why me? Why me? Oh, salt. All right, Barb, sorry. Oh, well. Yes, it was cheese. Uh, certain cheeses, Woo-hoo. including aged cheddar, Swiss, and Monterey Jack, have been found to protect teeth and dentures from decay. Yeah? Sounds kind, of che- <laughs> sounds kind of cheesy to me. <laughs> well, and, and it's, as a matter of fact, people would put their dentures in blocks of cheese before they ever came out with things like Epperdent and Polydent and all that kind of stuff. Really? The, the fuzzy stuff that, you know, clean your dentures. Yeah. Yeah, trippy, trippy, trippy. Midnight snacks. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, and here is your last one. Uh, thank goodness. Uh, not long ago, dentures were common gifts in the British Isles because many people expected to eventually lose all their teeth and expedited the process by having them extracted at an early age. What gift giving ceremony were dentures commonly given at? In the British Isles. The 55th year old birthday party? <laughs> I like it. Wet, I wedding receptions? Or was it a common Christmas gift for people over 50? A common Christmas gift. Common Christmas gift? What do you think, Tony in Denver? I was going to say, insulting as any of them are, I would say Christmas. Because then you have to be happy okay. you got something. Hey, Denver. Oh, my. Um... <laughs> 55 years of it, age? It's probably Christmas, but I really like the wedding gift. The wedding oh, wedding I reception? Do. Okay. A nice smile at your wedding. <laughs> Marv, take a stab at it. 55. 55. Well, Denver's correct. It was a common wedding gift. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get one right. Not one. I know. Sorry, Lucy. <laughs> Bruce, Bruce, P R U C E. This is why Bruce. I'm going to find you some wood teeth for you. Just for you. <laughs> My whole world's been turned upside down. Just turned down. upside down. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that doesn't ever take toll for me. And I wonder why my teeth hurt so much. All right, the topic this week is, uh, is failure a sign of missing the mark? Um, in fact, uh, Denver and I were reading some educational literature out at uh, the Adult and Teen Challenge Center, and the question was actually, very literally, is failure always sin? Well, we didn't really like that title as much. Uh, so being that sin is an archery term, which literally means to miss the mark or miss the target or to fall short of the target, um, I changed it to his failure of sign of missing the mark. Um, now, there is a school of thought amongst certain generations. It was my grandfather. My grandfather's generation was very, very like this, um, that if you fail at something, it is because... You didn't try hard enough. Uh, You may have thought you did, but you really didn't give it your all. Maybe you didn't study hard enough. Maybe you just don't care. Um, You know, and whatever accomplishment you were trying to go for, even if you got second place in a contest, that unless you got first place, you're automatically a loser, now, I am not one of these guys that thinks everybody should get a participation trophy. I, I'm just not. I think there's winners and there's losers when it comes to competition, and it's healthy to experience both. Uh, 
Having said that, though, are you a failure just because you don't succeed? And what does succeed mean? So it's kind of a, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. thing here. Um, and so let's just kind of open this up. Who wants to start? I do. I do. Bruce. I do. <coughs> if you look in the book of Alcoholics Anonymous, mm-hmm. it talks about a spiritual disease. And that word is thrown about in Alcoholics Anonymous and everybody is confused. But it says if we keep care of the spiritual aspect, then the the physical and the mental falls in line. Right. You know, it's not referring to the physical allergy of alcoholism. It's referring to a spiritual disease. A spiritual disease. Right. And that's that's what we have to overcome. So I think both questions, is it missing the mark or is it, you know, sin? Mm-hmm. You see? And I think we're missing the mark. Okay. So if and we fail, now you're I, talking about as far as recovery goes, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying that that uh, people don't uh, aren't capable of uh, doing something at times, you know, without this this uh, spiritual axiom. Is that the right word? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can people accomplish certain things without a deep spiritual relationship with the Creator? I think they. I I think we could work at it and push it, but I think that we need His aid to overcome this. It's really deep. It's 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 yeah. we don't understand it. That's why it's so important to take a look at yourself and stop looking at others. Mm-hmm. And if God is gracious enough to show you what that's all about, it's amazing. So so let's look at an example that you might see in your your recovery support settings. Okay. Of of what some would say is failure um we we get and we we talk about this a lot on the show um within our 12-step support settings faith-based as well as secular so faith-based doesn't escape this either many times we emphasize that the solution is the method and that the method isn't pointing to the solution but the solution is actually the method i.e the meetings the coffee the chatter the service work, the fellowship, the fellowship, and all that. We know that stuff points to the solution, but sometimes we credit that as the solution. And then we have the audacity when we teach that to get mad at somebody when they fail or relapse. But we've been teaching them this, this the solution that's not the solution. No wonder they relapsed. But then we get we get upset with them. Oh well, they didn't mean it, or you know, they stopped going to meetings, or they're not working the steps, or you know, obviously they don't really care. They're try not, harder. They're not done yet, or or that kind. Of, or they just need to try harder. Um, we do it in the church. Well, so and so drank again because he doesn't love God enough. He just needs to read his Bible more. He just needs to pray more often. It's very works-oriented. It's not a dependence on God. It's a dependence on the methods and the tools, you know. So if, you know... Or your ability to carry it out. Or your ability to carry it out. Just try harder. And so 
then we say that failure is based on, well, you didn't try hard enough. But can a person relapse on a narcotic, for instance, and have total sincerity and be trying to the best of their ability, going through all the motions, doing all the right things, and still relapse? This is where I separated from the rest of the group, where I feel like I'm out on the fringe. Yes, he can. I agree with you. Yes, he can. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's my belief. Somebody else. What do you guys think? Can a person relapse, Denver, even though they're doing everything right? Is that what, um, is that the only thing you're accounting failure to is a relapse? No. I'm just using that as an example because there's other, there's other things. Yeah. That's just one. Marv posed a good question. Yeah. The thing about it is, it um, it really isn't a matter of perspective. Look at Joseph and what his brothers did to him and what he went through. Mm -hmm. Now, you tell me that he wasn't down in the bottom of that pit thinking he was a failure? You bet he was. Yeah. So I think a lot of times failure in people's lives... um, means possibly that at that particular point in time it's God's will because he's trying to make circumstances fit to what he wants to have. Boy, and I agree with you 100%. Amen. And And I am going to get flack for this, but doggone it, I used to think, well, God allowed that bad thing to happen. Now I wonder if sometimes God wasn't behind it and orchestrated it himself. It wasn't the enemy or us, but God was behind it. And I'll give you the perfect example, the cross. That wasn't the devil. The devil didn't crucify Jesus. No, the devil got tricked. <laughs> yeah. If he knew what was really going he would never let that happen. The, the father did that. Mm-hmm. The father did that. Jesus went through what he went through, and it was ordained and orchestrated by his heavenly father. But we look at something that's uncomfortable, something like Joseph in the pit, something like going through a divorce, something like a relapse, something like I lost my job or wrecked my car. Oh, I must have done something wrong. Maybe God absolutely orchestrated that time on the street when I stuck that needle in my arm. Maybe God was behind that. Is that possible? I'll tell you what, a lot of people in the church would say, oh, no. That's 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 pretty heavy stuff right there. So we mark yeah. those things as failures, but the ultimate suffering wasn't a failure, was it? What the Lord did on the cross, died for our sins, rose for our justification, that was the ultimate victory. But a lot of people would look at that as a failure. Some of the apostles did. Why does he call mm-hmm. himself down off the cross? He failed. Yeah, but most of us aren't <clears throat> open or even understand what it is that we're going to be placing our faith into. We have to grow in our spiritual knowledge. I think the book calls it in our God consciousness. Yeah. We have to learn. And if you're not doing that, what are you doing? I'm a real stickler on that when I work with people, that I expect them to grow, you know, in their faith. We talk about being a fruit inspector. Yeah, and, right. and and I don't know a person's heart, but I can tell uh, who they are as they're if 
are they producing fruit? Are they, do they love the brothers? You know, they're willing to, to put uh, their stuff aside for the betterment of other people. You know what I mean? To to do this altruistic thing, not knowing the outcome. Mm-hmm. You know, just do your part. You know, and if God has come into your life and saved you, you know, <laughs> you should be lit up like a Christmas tree and telling other people about it. Yeah. You know, yeah, but, it's the best thing in the in the whole wide universe, universe for you. Why aren't you opening your mouth? About mm-hmm. so, but we don't because we're we're scared. That's why we try to get people to work through those things. Mm-hmm. But going back to your question, it's a really good question because we're even some of us as believers, when we're in those that pit. It's not a happy place to be, and I think both things can be going on. I think you can be in the pit and be discouraged, but you can also have faith. So sometimes when we fail, it is because we didn't work hard enough, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes when we fail, it is because we didn't give it we our all. We can't lay it all at the devil's so, feet. Right. So it's it can be both. Mm-hmm. It can be something orchestrated by God. It can be something that we just didn't give it our all. I mean, I've done that. I've done things in half measures. Half measures avail. I, and I, by the way, I disagree with that statement. Half measures avail us nothing. Because I, I know the heart behind it. I do agree with that. But you know what? Sometimes I have intentionally only done a little bit and the outcome was not as well as it could have been, but it planted a seed and it did avail me something in the long run. So I think it's a kind of a blanket statement because I think sometimes that half measure may be just the beginning of something that's going to be a success later. Well, what do you think, Tony? Uh, can 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 you fail and it actually be God's will? I don't know. This is. I'm <clears throat> do you mind if I move this really quick? Please do. So I'm like just soaking this whole show up today because it's just so perfect right now. Yeah. So I think yes and no, and I hate the words success and failure because I don't think that it should ever be used because I think it should be life lessons altogether mm-hmm. because. There's half of the people saying, I didn't do enough. There's half of the people saying, I did too much. Mm. But what you said was perfect. Like, I had to go through these certain situations and learn Yeah. to be able to, and especially now, like, I was thinking from, like, before I moved here to where I'm at now, like, while you guys were talking. But each incident that happened led me to where I'm at now. So I don't think it's success or failure. I think it's just growth and finally tearing down walls and finding your own place in this world. Right. And your own voice and your own spirit. And, you know, especially with God back in my life, you know, it's just I think it's just lessons. I don't think it's okay, either so you, or. You've gone through a major relationship change. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Some would say, well, you failed at that. Mm-hmm. And they have. Okay. Others would say, maybe this is part of your journey that brings you to a successful destination. Mm-hmm. It's really objective, isn't it? Yeah. You know, what do you say? I just say that it's, I was scared, the, the leap, I was scared and I didn't want to do it because I was comfortable. Yeah. But 
the last three days have been the best days of my life since like years prior. Right. So I think it's just growth on my part. I don't think it's right. I don't think it's wrong. I think I had to listen to God and pray a lot and lean on that and my sponsor and my pro- like everything. You have to yeah. lean on everything and it's hard to do. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's not. I think it's just my path God wants me on. So it's part of your journey. Timber, mm-hmm. what do you think about all this? Uh, two large pots of coffee and a round table. <laughs> it's, it's quite a topic. Um, failure. You know, and I looked this up this morning, failure and success, and I left the paper sitting on my desk there, so I don't have the exact definition, but failure and success go uh, hand in hand. Uh, Move that up a little closer to you. Okay. So I'm just going to speak a little bit on it. My failures, I feel, has led me to uh, a path of success, maybe where the Lord wants me to be. I do not think that uh, the paths that I chose, because I'm sure he had a different, probably it could have been easier if I had walked a different way. But no matter where I went, some people would consider him failure. And others would say, no, that's just getting you where you need to be. And that's the way I look at it. I really believe that my little uh, toe-stubbing incidences in life, my little failures, have got me to this point today, right here, speaking with you folks, listening to this conversation and this topic. It's wonderful. So uh, my failures have led me to uh, what I hope to be success in the end. I'm really mm-hmm. just I don't I don't take my my bumps like they were failures, you know. Right. I, I, the failure would have been uh, death, I guess, in the end. But it, it hasn't been that for me. It, it's just been boom, boom, trying to get to the mark. Yeah. So, and, and that's that's really good. So let me ask you, Marv, as no. somebody who's worked with horses. No, don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> You've had times when a horse isn't behaving the way you would like them to, right? Yeah. They don't, maybe it's like, why isn't this horse getting this? Yeah. How does this, how does this, because you, we, we love your cowboy wisdom stuff. So how does this relate to like that? Working with, with a horse and having expectations, because a lot of the fair success thing depends on what our expectations are and all that kind of thing and our, our definition of the two. I mean, do you feel like you fail sometimes when the horse isn't doing what it's supposed to do? It's interesting. Um, with horses, Yeah. at the end of the day, um, depending on, you know, I I can't get real particular. It'd take too long. But, yeah. Um, I'd walk out of the round pen shaking my head because this colt just wasn't coming along. I mean, I just wanted him to move away from my leg is all I wanted. And it was a big fight, and I kept working and working and working. And uh, and then um, the next day, I'd go grab him up and get him saddled up and get in there, and he did it. He moved mm. away from my leg. So I think a lot of times uh, that's what it takes for me personally if – if uh oh by the way i've since learned uh, the the big fight trying to get him to do it probably isn't all that necessary 
But anyway, um, um, sometimes, you know, uh, it, it takes a little time to figure out that, well, wait a minute, maybe... Maybe I just didn't fail. I just needed to maybe do this just a little bit of different, right. different way. And and uh, I was always looking for ways to, uh, um, well, quite frankly, to uh, work more along the the horse's uh, ideas than mine. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of horses love a good fight. <laughs> so. oh, no, no, no. <laughs> anyway, I don't, I'm not sure I answered your question. No, you I, did. I just you did. know a lot, yeah. a lot about failure. Uh, people uh, get in depression and and uh, you know really bad shape mentally. But the thing about it is, if you don't give up, you haven't failed. Mm. And sometimes it takes a little bit of time to figure out. What it is about not giving up? Yeah, that happens. So anyway, yeah, there's a there's a saying that says the only time you fail is the very last time you try, or something to that degree. Um, so here's something that I thought was really interesting, and I, I posted this uh, on Facebook yesterday. Oh, yeah. Um, did you guys ever write? And th- and this is not this didn't come out of my head. This came out of somebody else's, but I, I just love it. So let me ask you a question. Any of you guys ever watched Dukes of Hazard? Mm-hmm. Long time. The ago. General Lee, you know, the car and everything like that. Or your favorite TV show of old. And then you go back and you think, wow, that was so good. And then you go back and, and, and watch it and you go, ew, that was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 I was in the thrift store, one of the Teen Challenge thrift store with Denver the other day. And I came across the movie called um, the, the Talented Mr. Ripley. And I, I was bragging on this movie to Denver. I was like, oh, this is an amazing film. It's just, just the acting and, and everything. It was just amazing. Um, Never and, heard of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I got it. It was like three bucks, right? So And it was this, the DVD was in great shape. I went, this is going to be so good. So I put it in my DVD player. It was while I was sick. And I watched the movie. And I was like, that was horrible. <laughs> it actually wasn't too bad, but it was not up to the standard that I was bragging about. Looking at old Dukes of Hazard or A Team or you know, I these, about you know these things, were, and then watching them and going, what? You know. So here's the statement that I made uh, yesterday that I got from someone else. Memory. As a funny way of making things in the past look better than they actually were. If our best life experiences are in the past, our life has no future. And I've done that. I've lived in the past. Oh, the good old days. I wish I could go back to high school when I accomplished this, accomplished that, and blah, 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 blah. And it's a little pathetic. Um, so... You know, if I think I'm failing and everything, oh, I wish it was back like it was. I have to remember things like the town of Mr. Ripley or Deuce of Azure. Is was it really all that great? Uh, so um, the good book in Philippians three twelve through fourteen, it says, 
Um, this is Paul. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goals, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it and, and have received perfection. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is head, I, ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Love that. I'm pressing forward. I'm forgetting what is behind. It's not the good old days. I didn't fail. I'm where I'm at today because that's where I'm at today, and I'm going forward. So uh, I have a little soundbite for you. I want you to listen to this. Here it goes. After being cut from his high school basketball team, he locked himself in his room and cried for days. Michael Jordan. He wasn't able to speak until he was almost four, and his teacher said he would never amount to anything. Albert Einstein. She was demoted from her job as a news anchor because she wasn't fit for television, they said. Oprah Winfrey. Got fired from a newspaper for lacking imagination and having no original ideas. Mr. Walt Disney. At 30 years old, he was left devastated and depressed after being unceremoniously removed from the company that he started. Steve Jobs. A high school dropout whose personal struggles with drugs and poverty culminated in the unsuccessful suicide attempt. Eminem. A teacher told him he was absolutely too stupid to learn anything. Thomas Edison. Rejected by Decca Recording Studios, who said, We don't like their sound. They have no future in show business. The Beatles. His first book was rejected by 27 publishers. Dr. Seuss. His fiancée died failed in business, had a nervous breakdown, and was defeated in eight elections. Abraham Lincoln Many times, failure is simply the first step in success. If you've never failed, you more than likely have never tried anything new. So there you go. There's one on Colonel Sanders, too. Was he like felt worthless and yeah, and then he died multimillionaire like right and got like sorry I didn't mean to hit your leg uh you know his restaurant at the age of like sixty or seventy right yeah right yeah so you know We're is failure always famous. missing the mark I think not yeah and I I think that a lot of times we forget that I've been wanting to say this is that. We have to learn to listen mm -hmm. to people. We want to talk, you know, like I'm doing now. <laughs> yeah, really. I know. So we learn to listen to people for we know how to approach them where they're at. Mm -hmm. Because we're not all at the same spot. Right. And if you don't pay attention, you don't know. And this part about this other part, you know, defiance is our most outstanding characteristic. 
Mm. We'll sit right here and look at somebody, and they'll be talking to us, trying to help us, and we'll go, yeah, 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 but the hell with you. Yeah, you bet. And, and turn around and go the other That's way. That's really common. Yeah. We see it all the time, don't we, Denver? So our, our job is God has taken our greatest defect and made it an asset for us to help other people. Mm-hmm. We have to learn to press forward. Yeah. And we're not looking at the past, but we don't want to shut the door on it. God has given us a gift. So we press forward, just like Paul was saying. You know, I want to hear those words, you know, good and faithful servant. Mm-hmm. Say, I don't want to hear, I don't know you. Right. right. I'm not right. doing this to get something from God. I'm doing it because of what God has given me. That's right. That's right. So I really want you guys to hear this song. I played it for a long time ago. Uh, this is by uh, country recovery recording artist, Mr. Jeff Bates. It's called One Second Chance. Now, he's talking to future employers and some people and stuff like that. But you could be telling yourself this as well. So listen very closely with this. We'll close out with this song. I think it speaks volumes. It says here you're from Houston You're certified to drive a truck It doesn't say what you've been doing The last five years Then I watched his eyes keep reading Then I watched his eyes look up And watched another job I needed disappear Cause when they get to the line If you've been convicted of a crime They say thanks for coming in And they don't call you back I ain't asking for every job under the sun I just want one second chance August 22nd, little Jacob's turning five, but his mama moved him half a state away. I left another message on her phone at home last night, and she finally had her lawyer call today. She knows I can't afford. To take this thing to court And I'm trying hard to make her understand I ain't asking for every weekend of every month I just want one second chance I was young and I was stupid I regretted every day feeling when they don't want you around yeah i finally got my freedom but what good is it now there's some days when it feels like been a hundred years 
Sometimes it seems like only yesterday We were painting Jacob's nursery Counting days till he was here Next thing I knew I'd thrown it all away Now I know I can't go back To the life I used to have When I still held the whole world in my hands I had a job, I had a wife, I had a son Now I just want one Second chance I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, perfection, but one thing I do Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on forward to the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Until our next program, this is the Monty Man along with the gang wishing God serenity for you. Bye-bye. This has been a broadcast of Take 12 Recovery Radio and KHLT Recovery Broadcasting. Oh, yeah, make that coffee black.